Now recording. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. And I'm really happy to bring you Viktor once again from Ukraine, which is hello, everybody. Yeah, like a uh, like a fat kid that knows how to use guns. Viktor is once again arrived. <laughs> I don't even know how to how to begin to explain this. It was a theme song, okay? It was a theme song, and we love it. I, I have a plan with this song also for you, but surprise, you will you will eventually know. Oh no. But yeah, Victor, Victor is in Ukraine currently, and while I'm working on the news episode, I'm going to mention some stuff about the, the news, what I've heard and what's happening. And this one, uh, Victor said that, you know, he has things to talk about, which is amazing. So, Victor, how, how, what's changed? Where are you? What's going on? G give me your best, because you're, you're here, uh, you're there, that is, and our listeners definitely want to hear uh, what's up. All right, so this is uh, my fourth day now in Ukraine. We have arrived here um, yeah, just a few days ago, and I came here with an NGO that we both met last time at the border uh, to Ukraine, the drum, oh. they're called, and they're from Düsseldorf. Those guys whom we met. Yeah, exactly. Those guys. Oh, nice. Yeah, and the good thing about it is Ben, the guy who, who created this mm -hmm. NGO, he's going to Ukraine basically every month, and now I have a free ticket to Ukraine basically every month, and I'm also planning on using that. I was really worried because for one, you know, I, I didn't even understand how are you going to get there? What's happening? But but yeah, that, that's great. So glad that you contacted them. Yeah, we're, we're in good hands. We have even two cars, actually. We have a, a van and we have a, another car. Um, not a sports car, not Peramoga 1. I miss Peramoga 1. Uh, me too. Today I was wondering if I maybe would see her because we were at a military academy and there was Mm -hmm. Only cars like Peremoga One. There was only like big SUVs, Porsche, and all of that stuff. But I'll talk about that later. But uh, the good thing is that this time I have a car all the way to Ukraine, so I will not have to carry a 45 kilogram backpack via various trains and other means of transportation to Germany. I can just drive back home, and I don't even have to drive the whole way, which is incredible. And you will not be sent back at the border. <laughs> I really hope not. They they gave us some trouble at the border because we looked at one lady the wrong way and she wanted to assert her dominance by putting us into the wrong line. Oh yeah, it's it's what it, it, I I won't think about it. Uh, what I what I wanted to ask you about, like to tie this in with the regular news, basically on the Russian side, uh, they're saying that the uh, well Russians are trying to counterattack a lot. Well, counter counterattack to be more precise. The thing is that. Um, they're not very good at this. There have been, as far as I know, a lot of, of these um, meat assaults once yeah. again. You know, those those nasty things. Uh, what's the morale on on the side of so Ukrainians? I talked to a couple of soldiers already because my goal for this mm -hmm. trip is to get to establish solid connections with some soldiers because in the future and in the winter, yeah. I plan on maybe spending a few days with the soldiers as long as I possibly can. And I talked with a few of them, some Ukrainians who are going into the Tokmak direction where Ukraine is doing the offensive. And their situation is quite bleak mm -hmm. too. We'll, I, we'll get to that also. And then I also got drunk um, yesterday with a soldier. Well, that's that's always a positive. Yeah, yeah. It, um, it was very interesting with a guy who's going, who was fighting for over a year, I think with the Belarusians, because the Belarusians have their own unit of foreign fighters. And he was with them, and they mm -hmm. fought in the Kharkiv region, where 
Russia is doing their clicks. And they also talked about it that sometimes where there's a troop buildup and things are happening, everybody says, okay, there's going to be attack. Then, oh my God, there was a feint and they're preparing what's going to happen. And then they found out, nope, actually the feint was the main thing because logistically they just fucked the whole thing up completely. But the problem is basically Ukraine is doing well. Ukraine is good fighters. Ukraine is well organized and all of that, but they just... Even when they push them back, even when they have successes, it's very difficult to handle the whole manpower issue of Russia. Because if you think about it, like every day they're fighting, they're using up resources. It's get more difficult for the state. They're using up manpower. They're using up financial aid and all of that. And Russia's digging in more. And they have they have just an endless pool of men to send into the meat grinder. And that's what they're doing. So they're talking about killing quite an amount of Russians, like everybody of them has a positive death ratio, basically. And it's very frustrating to them because still they, it doesn't end. They are able to fight against the Russians for maybe one or two years. But after that, it might get very difficult for Ukraine to continue fighting. And it's also difficult because many of the supporting nations don't really have a plan with the war in that time. Well, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's the thing. Uh, I mean... This is what I keep constantly telling people that uh, I've got I got a lot of questions where if you know if the Russian side doing if the Russian side is so incompetent and doing so badly and all that stuff then why Ukraine isn't winning? Well, let me just tell you, uh, dear listeners, that Russian side's incompetence is what makes like what makes it possible for Ukraine to even be able to do as well as they are doing right now. It's just that they have a massive advantage on, especially aviation, you know, uh, planes and everything. So that, that's that's a big issue. So what, what did you, what did you find out? What's the what's the biggest uh, thing that, that uh, surprised you maybe with with getting drunk with? I mean, do you remember the songs that we listened to with the soldier songs and the oh yeah of uh, the marine song that you sent to me? Also so many about of them. the oh, killing machine and all of that. But the way they talk about killing is quite it's quite bizarre like, to me like i'm not a soldier and the, the, yeah they talk about killing a lot of people and they're talking about the fun of it and they're talking about how it's how how, 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 how cool they are doing it basically and like how how the americans function and they say like the, the americans basically are killing machines they just go there smell blood and then kill russians and how different also the, the many, many countries work because what i find very interesting is like technical psychology, how, how this all works, how, how people function and, and different cultures work apparently also very different as fighters. And that was quite interesting. You have a kind of a... Do explain, because this is a uh, rare insight that we're getting here. So. I mean, the Russians seem just basically described as idiots and drunkards, but just a lot of men. And then, well, yeah. Well, see, see I, can, I, can, I, can, I can give you some comment on that. Uh, there's a point to it, because recently, uh, you probably have missed this, but... Lately, we have another, because of all these meat assaults, we have a lot of so-called meat assaults. That, that's, that's what people say. Uh, we have a lot of uh, people being very depressed about what's going on in, in the Russian military, with, with, with literally everything, to be honest, because, well, um, it's, not, it's not going nice. There's a lot of messages from wives and mothers of the soldiers, and whenever soldiers themselves you know, uh, state that something's wrong with the with kind of the supplies and everything, it's pretty bleak. These guys who write, who send these messages and record videos, they, they tend to die basically. So that's a, that's that's a bit of a bit of an issue. The unit he was fighting for seemed pretty well mm -hmm. supplied, from what I could gather, because also 
they're in this area where the Russians are constantly attacking and that's kind of a constant stream of supplies. They're stealing their weapons all the time, they're raiding them and getting their new AK-12s and all of that and then even supplying other units. He actually, I told to talk to him about the Kraken unit that I worked with, with their humanitarian department before, which they went into villages in the area around um, Isium. And they are, it's like, those fuckers, they stole our fucking AK-12s because they are stealing sometimes so many guns that they're just supplying whole other units and then sometimes the other units take good guns from them. So that's mm. not an issue for them, at least, but other units do have supply problems also, from what I can tell. And that's also what we're working with because we also, like, we're organizing right now to get them some supplies and it's what we will be doing more in this winter also. Because they need some stuff and we can organize that and we can make fundraisers for that. And as a thank you, they will then hopefully let us film with them and get some interesting stuff. So that seems, at least for them, I have to talk to Ukrainians, see how their situation is going. But he, he seemed also mm -hmm. really depressed in a different way. Like he, he, he couldn't continue fighting. He had, what shocked me a little bit was on his phone, his backgrounds were just like friends of him who died. And he talked to me, oh, this guy is a great guy. He was just 19. Oh, wow. He was such a killing machine. He was so good. And he showed me videos with them. And yeah. This again, really just uh, is one of those, one of those times when we have to talk about the, the horrid sides yeah. of war, isn't it? He oh, man. talked to me about how they kill Russians concretely, which is um, that they, mm -hmm. but you don't shoot at the head because the head is small and it's moving a lot. You don't shoot at the chest because the chest is well, most of the time armored, not always with the Russians, but you should at mm -hmm. the pelvis because with a rifle, the pelvis kind of splatters and it yeah. will oh. cut the arteries that are going into the legs or it will just shatter and damage the guts and all of that. And he was talking about it quite graphically and showed me videos where he said like, oh yeah, at that moment I was kind of fixing this thing and then yeah, I shot a Russian guy. I couldn't see him. I could, I, the Russian guy could only see him shooting, but yeah, bleak. Yeah, well, like this, this, this is this is quite much a reality check for for, you know, uh, I I know this stuff, but for our listeners, yeah, it's it's exactly this bleak. In a way, I I read about this. You kind of have to dehumanize definitely your opponents, otherwise you won't be able to just kill them because killing human beings is painful. And you have to and normalize horrible. it because like you the know? level of like dark humor, sar sarcasm, and all of that that you have on this show. It's it's not it's 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 still far below the level of um, cynicism and uh, yeah, of yeah, what they yeah. have yeah. And yeah, um, so we got a little drunk and I was kind of poking my way through his mind more and more and I was wondering like how how far like what to ask him and I could basically ask him anything except for one question, which kind of I he couldn't answer me, which is well he. He has a girlfriend, he's going back, he's getting married. But I ask him, like, what are you going to do after the war? What are you going to do with the rest of your life? And he studied and he, he, he had jobs and all of that before, but he kind of couldn't answer that question yet. I, I talked to him about, like, he doesn't have a perspective on, on what to do next. I mean, still in Kiev getting drunk just a few days before going back and marrying, but, um, like, yeah, he, he just couldn't continue with this. He was never wounded, but he can't continue to fight and uh, but, yeah it breaks people the the mental scars are are horrible and this just puts a this just puts a new tone to this because currently as far as i know these um 
you know, the Russians are sending more and more troops and pointless assaults and losing. Uh, I, we had a video from from mothers of, of various Russian soldiers stating that uh, reports about the wounded and the casualties are coming in every hour. Every yeah. hour there's someone gone. And, and that's just, if you think about it, we look at this from the sense of, oh yeah, Ukrainians are winning. However, it puts a big hurt on on the guys doing the fighting yeah obviously and and i mean there's, there's also i talked also um with a friend of mine whose father got injured pretty badly um and it, it she, mm -hmm. she talked me through how all of that went so they have like a whatsapp group with the commander and all the wives and mothers of the soldiers and then every day there's like oh these names missing these names wounded these names gone and then look every day in the group and then one day the father was missing and then he was missing again he was missing still and nobody could talk to them what happened they didn't know where he was what yeah and then suddenly he appeared as injured and they didn't even know where so they had to themselves call all the hospitals in the Dnipro area and talk to nurses and then one nurse finally helped them figuring out where her father was and um, he got shrapnel in the guts mm. and was then later transferred to a very small village, basically, in the area around Lviv. And also, she, she couldn't really tell me why. She said, like, yeah, he can walk again, he can run again, he's not going to die, he's not in critical condition, but he can never fight again. He can never work again also. And you can also just... Yeah, she, she didn't go into details, but you can guess what happened. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get, I get, I get this because, you know, uh, this is the thing that also people don't don't really understand. This is why the Western Western equipment is so much needed, because the soldiers who are fighting constantly all the time, yeah, they're not casualties per se, but they won't be able to fight well at all if this goes on for, I don't know. Yep, every every little comfort makes a difference to those soldiers, and with that also, it's good to know that. We can actually do something like we we organized some evacuation equipment and um, passport equipment for for personnel so like they can carry wounded out and um basically all these units it's very interesting it's very decentralized organization so with the ukrainian army you kind of don't have from how i understand it like the big inefficiencies of like a huge military that is centralized and that has certain things that just go wrong and those are then very impactful you kind of it's very decentralized every unit take care of their own things in a way but also the soldiers they're getting paid very well but then they have to organize their own equipment but then they have all their press officers and they have the social media channels they sometimes even have media guys who are editing videos for them asking for support and all of that and also in that it's really cool to connect with them and then see okay you actually need this okay let's let's, let's go grab it and then we'll, we'll meet you there and then we'll bring you the stuff and so so pretty cool but um, then you kind of more have like these inefficiencies on a smaller scale that that system brings with it. But it's very interesting to see. And also, again, like we also met with a commander the um, the other day. And the same thing was as with the commander we met in the Transnistria, where we were, where the guy, you remember the young guy, when he actually yeah. came into the room, yeah. I was kind of like smiling at him and like, 
making a joke like i don't know i don't know what's going on and he looked at me and i was like smiling like mm, i don't know and then he stood up and was like oh i'm the commander i was like oh shit i didn't know that was the commander i would have not joked with him oh wow I mean, I mean, at, th at this point, I think we kind of could, we kind of could, but like, never, never expected you to to meet him again. Wow. Well, no, 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 I didn't meet him again. I met a different commander. I met a different commander. Oh. Actually, but but it was the same thing. Like he's just oh, okay. a guy. Like they they're very they they're not arrogant to you. They don't make you feel like the hierarchy. Like that, those are very important people. He works directly with Zelensky and has a project for him that I will get into in a little bit. But they they don't make you feel like you're below them like i i compare it to like my well, situations i had with the german police like every one of them so damn arrogant and always need makes you feel their authority and always puts you down but the ukrainians actually are even like commanders even people are actually very important and super nice to you and it's mm. really cool to see and that that's like they seem to actually care about their army quite a lot more than than the russians so i mean obviously that's not that's not news but um it's it's interesting to see that interesting to get into that and um even like the commanders now we're talking with them on whatsapp and organize a whole thing calling with them and um yeah it's it's quite cool you don't you don't expect that but it's very very good very efficient teams yeah the better if you treat humans as human beings basically and not in a stick what you 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 don't <laughs> say i mean <laughs> Yeah. How does how does this even work? Uh, but but what are your plans for 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 the trip and everything? What are you gonna do next? And what's the what's the battle plan? Well, um, okay. So we had contact with two different units. One in the Tokmak direction. One is fighting around somewhere between Bakhmut and Kopiansk, so quite a wide area. They are deployed right now, and they cannot tell us yet where they are. And we are tomorrow in the morning driving to Kharkiv and we have basically a van with lots of supplies, humanitarian supplies, it's furniture, it's it's toys for children and kitchen supplies. We have a um equipped for doctors for eye surgery, I think, from the seventies, like some pretty old stuff, some pretty cool vintage optical stuff also. And we yeah, we delivered that to different stations and along the way we will then meet with this battalion and film with them and get us are as we possibly can with them. That's the plan, and they're driving south. We are finishing the project that we started, uh, if you remember, when we got into basically in between the Ukrainian and Russian lines to discover this Cossack village. We are going there again because, as it turns out, the footage I got, it's, it's very engaging, let's say, but it's kind of more like found footage because, shockingly, I'm... I thought I was holding the camera so still, but it turns out when artillery is shooting kind of in your direction, I I did not hold the camera still at all. So the footage is uh, not, not usable for making a whole video about it. So with Anthony, we're going, I'm, I'm collaborating on making a project about mm -hmm. the lost Cossack villages that, that got flooded. So that will come out and also maybe we are then on the way also meeting with the with the soldier in the Tokmak direction, but let's see that his situation. I also want to go get into a little bit because he's he's Ukrainian and very different situation. He he he's a young guy, I think twenty three or something. He studied in uh, Norway um, after he did his military service, and he thought, yeah, I'm done. He was also in the Donbas region before. 
for the full scale invasion and kind of thought like, okay, yeah, my whole life is going on. But the, as we talked before about like, yeah, there's, they're, they're talking the trying to, to, to be human to the soldiers and the people, but then still they have to draft them. And the situation with that is also kind of bleak because they're not doing this in Kiev, but in Vinitsa, um, they're basically kind of going to the street and handing people documents like, all right, you're a soldier now, good luck, and you have a few days and then you're getting deployed. And that's kind of what happened to him. And they are, are more pessimistic about everything than the, the foreign soldiers are. He's getting deployed and he's with a unit that's already kind of experienced. So they can kind of basically directly throw them into the whole mess, or not mess, we don't know that much of what's going on, but throw them into the whole Tokmak direction um, offensive that's going on. And uh, he's, 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 um, he's not as op optimistic as the guy from from the Russian um, but mm. units because he, he had his whole life going on and then they just go like, nope, you don't anymore and you're a soldier now. So I have like more, more questions to you related to the news because we have to switch on to that. Yeah. We will, of course, have uh, Victor on on future shows. Like, definitely. You, you have to come on, Fred. You have no choice at this point. Uh -huh. but, uh, but, but we have a question. Navalny's uh, lawyers, by the way, meanwhile, the Russia segment. Navalny's lawyers have now been charged with uh, extremism and passing information to, uh, like, uh, Navalny's associates and everything. They are now charging Navalny's lawyers. Let me just read you from, from Medusa. Navalny's lawyers have been charged with participating in extremist community for transferring information from Navalny to his team. So that's what lawyers do, basically. How far do you have to go to arrest someone's lawyer for doing lawyer things? Yeah. I think this kind of proves that Russia truly is a dictatorship, which EU voted for, by the way, recently. And now Russia is officially a, a dictatorship. Nice. So I can ask my uh, lawyer friend, who's actually the guy from the organization. He's a lawyer. <laughs> I can ask him about that, but I think it's not something that happens in the EU. Yeah, it's kind of kind of weird, isn't it? Because... I never expected a lawyer to be arrested or, or just kind of so weird. I don't get, I don't get why, why to do this, uh, this way. I mean, arresting lawyer, but then again, I think this is what happens. Like, uh, I, I heard a lot of people say that, well, this is what happens when, um, you just don't talk to these people at all. Well, I was maybe, maybe, um, talking about, uh, exposing the lawyers of Navalny as extremists will maybe make some of the. Western press <laughs> reconsider if Navalny actually is an extremist, which he is. He's, he has issues. I, I've always said he has issues. Is he an extremist? Not really. I don't know. It's an extreme country. Yeah, definitely. I want to talk also <sighs> a little bit about... So, we have also been to a very interesting place today, actually, mm -hmm. which is why I hit you up and said, okay, we got to record an episode, because we have been to the national... Defense University of Ukraine, which is in uh, quite old, amazing buildings somewhere in Kiev, and that was opened up by actually Tsar Nikolai. We took some photos of the same place where Tsar Nikolai stood when he opened up the uh, university there. And there is a really cool project going on. So there's this commander who, as soon as the war started, he got some friends who gifted him some equipment from the Russians and some used up tanks, they found a German MG42 and they gave it to him and he kind of got this idea that he has to create a museum about the war that is happening today. 
So as the war is being fought, they are already making quite the effort to create a really, really cool museum about it. So in the in the basement of this building and all around the area, there's they already where yeah, they have a show, and usually they only show this to NATO delegations, and they showed it to the to the the Dutch delegation after the Dutch gave them the F-16s, and via some context, now we also could go there, and it was um, it was quite difficult to get there, and it was really amazing. So they have this, they have all kinds of Russian tanks there, they have the air defense systems they have outside of this era we couldn't really film he took a few pictures of us but we couldn't film a lot i will get the pictures hopefully later from him today or tomorrow and uh yeah they showed us the tanks and they were basically like yeah you see this tank this turret was exploded just next to the antonov plane and then they have the pictures already printed out and we could pictures there with it and then they have the self-propelled artillery systems and all of that like now i kind of have because because i'm i'm not really a military equipment person i i'm not into that too much but now i'm like ah okay that's an s-125 air defense system nice now i know how that looks they have even plans for getting western equipment there because if you have like artillery systems the barrels mm -hmm. after you shoot them for very long they kind of get used up and you cannot use them anymore so they have trucks that are going to the front lines and on the way back he's actually organizing that all the time they are taking them bro then broken russian equipment back and they're putting it into this museum it's quite amazing so it also shows me that was the guy that was the com the other commander that we talked mm -hmm. to. he was yeah. very nice very friendly uh he didn't yeah it was a pretty cool guy and he also gifted me some things because um as you know i have this jewelry project oh wow, really my... wow, wow. yeah well, what did he give you kind of trash but it's true <laughs> so i have this jewelry project with my analog photography my 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 more art, artsy stuff that i'm doing i'm creating jewelry from it and they are having this really really cool art project where they are taking things from the war like for example a part of the antonov plane and then they're giving that to artists and artists are drawing anti-war photos or also motivational war paintings and artworks onto the parts themselves so they have like this amazing painting of the Antonov plane in flames uh, painted onto a piece of the Antonov plane and then they have pieces from Bucha they have pieces from Irpin they have like yeah cluster ammunition that was used in Irpin and they painted on it quite macabre sometimes but it's really amazing and in between all of that I will, I will send you some pictures and um and i will send them also to the discord everybody go and join the eastern border discord making plug for you um uh, thank you <laughs> that is important uh because i think that uh joining the discord is is one of the best things you can do that's one what's two is uh please uh, once you're done editing this please send me the pictures as well i will i have to edit them and then extract the screenshots and do some color grading but okay it will be a long night tonight but also if you want to know what what's what's going on in my trip i'm also updating them daily on what we're doing here so you can also follow that on discord or yeah back to what was happening mm -hmm. there it also inspired me like i want to do some art, anti-war art stuff and so he gave me some um some some used bullets and some keys found by the russians and i even found some stuff that i saw in kharkiv and i'm pretty sure like we saw some like destroyed tanks and then there i'm like oh my god that's the same tank but they took them back to kiev now which is pretty cool to see and it's also amazing because they have things like they have these qr codes 
on the ex exhibition pieces where you can then just put your phone on there and then you see the footage from there and some of the footage is extremely graphic like they're they, they're not shy about that they show everything there and they show like oh yeah you see this thing there's a dead russian soldier with it if that's on camera then that means uh now i have to plug you you're gonna have to follow victor's instagram channel and youtube especially because i gotta go to 500 subscribers eventually that would be great because my YouTube is still quite small and I'm putting a lot of work into it. Yeah, I know. It's going to be it's going to be fine. You'll oh, still well. make it. I kind of want to wrap this up tonight. What's what's the biggest challenge to you right now? Oh, God. What's happening? Well, the biggest challenge for me is um, since I'm I'm kind of a perfectionist and I have kind of more abstract artistic approach to my projects and I do take a lot of time. My struggle is to find sleep and edit the stuff and get my projects out that's basically my biggest issue and then yeah i'm also what i'm working on right now is i'm changing quite a few things in my life and um broke up with my girlfriend and uh, changing my job and all of that Aww. also to be able to go to ukraine more because i want to be here more and i want to be more connected i want to follow the same people uh, this time I'm, I'm meeting some people again and all of that it's it's the, the war is not it's very relevant still there's lots of shit happening still if you if you want to participate actually and i want, want to talk about that a little mm -hmm. that's important yeah, sure. there's lots of things you can do so if you are in germany actually and you have stuff to donate and all of that especially if you're in in the west part of germany um hit me up uh we we can use that we actually bringing stuff to ukraine and if you want to help uh well you can also go on my patreon that would be one way or yeah, uh, you can even fight. It's actually it's actually making a difference. That's also one thing I realized, and I would never thought that I would like talk about that openly. But yeah, they they need people to go there and help Ukraine. Whatever you do, humanitarian, you want to go and get involved with an NGO, you want to go to NAPO, you want to go on the information front, you want to do some journalism. All of that very relevant. This actually makes sense because because for one, I have to say that uh, we have a lot of people with military background. Uh, you know. And, and to listen to the show, a lot of them, forty-three percent to be to be exact, by the way. Mm. So, is it a study? If you really, if you want to go and 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 do something, you know, I I won't I won't judge you. It's hard for me to to you know say that people should go and fight, you know, just as well as as you do, right? Yeah. But maybe sometimes it's the right thing to do, you know, if you think about. And there's it. many ways to fight, also. And again, if you're, for example, in Germany. Kick the ass of some politicians to fucking send the Taurus missiles, and then that's relevant. Oh, they still haven't sent them. No, I think I think not. Edit this in if they did. I will research it, but I think they didn't. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you can do something. If you're a doctor, whatever. Everybody can do something because the, this important to wrap up the war very fast, very very fast. The the more we wait, the more money it also costs you because think about how much money your state is giving right now that could go into healthcare or whatever. And we'll get used up in one year, two years, or five years of Ukraine war. You don't want that to happen. That, that is also the thing that I've been telling. that I, I don't know. There's a lot of people who think that this is going to end with some sort of negotiation. No. I don't believe no. that anymore. No. Like, I, I've been telling, look, Victor, this is the thing that I've been telling to the West. Uh, people, you know, of like Alex asks, Alex from History Impossible asked me this, and a lot of people like uh, ask me this. It, it cannot simply end on a, negotia a negotiation table. Uh, I've been to Ukraine multiple times, and once you go there, you understand. I, I think I think that's the message because you really yeah. This has to be like brought through somehow as 
terrible as it as it so is. This is also the stuff that you have been talking about for years. How Putin works, how these gangsters work. It's not news. It's it's very apparent. Like these are not politicians because they wear suits. They're gangsters and they're mm-hmm. warlords. And I want to just end on one anecdote, if I may. Okay, sure. <laughs> the drunken soldier. Yeah. Just a very funny story that I had to get in here. He kind of wandered over one thing, which will make you laugh probably. But he talked to me and he said, like, I, I told him where we're going. And he looked at me like, okay, if you're a soldier. And I'm like, okay, I'm not a soldier, but this is my gun. And I showed him my camera. He was like, okay, then I give you the advice as a soldier. If you're a soldier, first thing, clean your weapon. Take care of your weapon. Train with your weapon. I kind of really bonded over the fact that I treat my cameras the same way he treats his guns. And that was very funny. Yeah, it makes, the, 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 for, for me, it's the microphone. Yeah, and I promised him to actually clean my cameras. So before we go also tonight, I will clean my cameras because I promised the guy. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Victor, you clean your cameras. We still have a Kazakhstan to go to and other places. But Victor, yep. keep up with me whenever you can, whenever you have something. Uh, get the wire for because Victor is going on out there with like the same microphone that I used for my temporary microphone for a while. Get the wire for that because you can plug it in your laptop and use it as your your uh, regular microphone. Yeah, I will. You know, I'll try to in and do that. I literally just look to my right and I see the wire that I need laying on Anthony's desk. So then, how it's so fixed. Excellent. <laughs> Keep in touch. Keep in touch. And and thank you for being on. And for all of you, everyone out there, please support uh, Victor. Support me as well, please, if you don't mind. Uh, До свидания, товарищи. And as always, happiness is mandatory.